um, and luminance color pencils from Carondage. And these two brands, I think they're the most pigmented color pencils. I know in the US there are different brands, but in Germany definitely Polychromos. And um, yeah, I have not tried other ones, but I know they're pretty much the best. So I kind of stuck to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not watercolor pencils. They're enough. regular color pencils. Yeah, right. They're not, no. And from just my observation of how you use them, you use them, it looks like to me, mostly for kind of details. So it, so it sounds mm -hmm. like you, the, yeah. you wouldn't need to buy a big, huge range. Like I had Jesse oh. Lane on, who's a, who's a color pencil artist, and he's just got a room full of pencils, you know, yeah. all, you know because that's all he uses. So he needs yeah. a huge range of colors. But it doesn't sound like you well, need that, that many. Well, I mean... Current, um, after the time, I collected like lots of them, obviously, but they are like in one box only. It's not like a big box. Like I can hold them to you, and you can say it to your listeners how big this box is. It's that a little box, box right? is about okay. a foot by uh, <laughs> a foot long by about <laughs> six inches by about four inches deep. Uh, so not you're not so a big great box. at that. <laughs> <laughs> You're really great at it. Yeah, this is, these are all my color pencils. And I have, like, since I mostly use them for the skin, um, for the portraits to make them look really, really soft and get all the details and mm. such. And so I have lots of different um, colors that are for rendering the skin tones. Um, but for the, I call them decorational elements of the painting, so like flowers or maybe animals, I don't really use a lot of color pencils, and I don't have lots of lots of different uh, colors. I think like a couple of green tones, like two blue tones, but mostly like skin tones, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously yellow and orange and such. Yeah. Um, something that, peop that people uh, steer away from watercolors for is just this general notion, um, which is possibly... Um, perpetrated by galleries of yeah p works on paper they don't really sell for as much as um, canvas uh, but it sounds like because of your multi-layered activity across the, a lot of <laughs> different mediums yeah. that it frees you up from that and that you can you know <clears throat> because of the options in terms of selling the original piece and then the you know, from a, a filming for YouTube or for your Patreon or whatever you use the video for, um, it's not really going to make that much difference whether it's an oil painting or a, a, yeah. a work on paper in terms of the visual content that you that that comes across. That that is that is true to an extent. I would say I I'm definitely lucky that my collectors value my oil paintings as, or my watercolor paintings as much as my as my oil paintings and I think it totally depends how you how you sell them like how you say and, and how they look like I think my watercolor paintings look like there is a lot of work in them and there is a lot of work in them um, and I think if you have a watercolor painting that looks like it took like an, an hour watch people would probably not be like to to pay as much for it like Noise painting, for example, um, and yeah, that is right. Like sometimes it doesn't even matter um, 
if the artwork sells, uh, for example. Sometimes when I do a tutorial only, I just just have to be has to be a good tutorial. But I like most of my artworks. Um, I either sell them in the auctions or I have, for example, this is like one of my favorite things. Like I have um, patrons that support me for an artwork, but they don't know what they get. So I'm um, completely free in what I do. And if I have an idea, for example, I want to do, for example, the Klimt video. I wanted to do the Klimt video and then I have an artwork. And I will just send it to one of my collectors who has paid for it for a couple of months. And she didn't know that she gets it, but um, she's happy with this. Um, I determine the value, like how long did it take, like, um, and then, um, yeah. This is like, I lost my train of thought, but basically <laughs> my oil paintings and my watercolor paintings are kind of the same, like, in yeah. value, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. So, how do you check yourself as you're working? Whether, it doesn't matter what, whether it's on paper yeah. or a canvas, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, some artists, they use mirrors a lot, they take photos on their mm -hmm. phone, they're squinting a lot. Yeah. What, what sort of things do you do? Yeah, all of that, all of that too. And I also ask my husband, and I combine it all together, and then I think, okay, what, what do I do now? And um, I also have like, um, I always look at my older paintings that I think are the that worked for me. I have like on my Patreon, I have like little magnets of my works that I sell, and um, I have them all of the magnets myself on my uh, on our refrigerator. And then, for example, the last work I did, I was like. It didn't, what is wrong with it? It doesn't look good. And then I just had it here in front of me and I looked at my works on the refrigerator and I said, hey, I can use this thing that I used on this painting and um, then it will work out. And it worked out. So it's always good if you have like paintings from the past where you have solved specific problems that you have them kind of somewhere so you can look at them. This helps me a lot because I forget so many things like Let's say I master a technique, like maybe two years later I forgot how I did it. I have no idea. I forgot, completely forgot about it. And so it's great to have like some kind of like proof, <laughs> like on maybe prints on the wall or something that help you like keep your, um, the quality of your work yeah. or even make it better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great idea because I know for myself, um, once a painting's finished, particularly when any kind of time passes, um, it becomes its own thing. And then, but the painting on the easel is always, you know, it, it always, it's got a very different quality and it feels like, yeah, no, this is going disastrously. I, I, I'm not yeah. very good at painting. It's just terrible. And then, you know, it's good to kind of look at old paintings and go, yeah, well, I, I managed to do that. I can't remember how I did it. Yeah. In fact, I'm not really too sure that I actually did it, but yes, I know I did it, but right. yeah, so I can probably right. pull this off, you know. <laughs> this will yeah. probably turn into that if I just stick it. <laughs> right, right. This is so funny. You told me, like, in that moment, you remind me of the YouTuber called Lindy Beige. Have you ever heard of him? He's a history YouTuber. He always has a similar hu humor to you. It's very funny. No, I haven't seen him, no. What, yeah. How does it? How do you spell that? Lindy, like L I N G Y, and beige, like the color beige. Beige. Oh, okay. Lindy beige. Yeah. Oh, look it up. Yeah, I haven't seen him. It's, he's great, and I always have to like laugh 
stuff and, and smirk and you have like a similar humor. I think that's very sympathetic. I like it. <laughs> okay, thanks. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, what kind of lighting setup do you have in your studio? Oh, well, I have a couple of lamps here. Um, I'm fortunate uh, that my husband <laughs> gets all the te technical stuff, he orders all the... I, I didn't have to think about these uh, things. Like, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Um, we have a... I, don't ask me how they're called. They're like big studio lamps. Um, they're like... Um, like the, I'm not sure how they're called. Like spotlights? with like the big lamps and there's like a fabric on top of them. That that's that's like a, the, the umbrella kind of thing in front of them, is it? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We have like two or three of them. And then we have the spotlight that you can see in the background. And yeah, I use them. Okay. Very fortunate that I, I don't have to like do all the technical research because I hate it. And um, yeah. <laughs> I, my my videos wouldn't look as pretty if my husband wouldn't have like looked up all that stuff. <laughs> I, I I was just lucky. <laughs> uh, what if anything do you listen to as you work? Oh um, yes, so audiobooks, lots of audiobooks, um, podcasts like some like uh, philosoph philosophy podcasts. Um, yeah, mostly that and um, fantasy audiobooks, thriller audiobooks. All right. Now music? Mm, not really. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I did it like maybe when I was a little bit younger. I think I have listened all the music that I liked and then now I have to look for new music and you have to actively look for it. So I haven't right. done that yet. <laughs> if I would find something new that I enjoy, I would probably listen to it. But, well, with everything in life, you have to actively do it. And if you well, don't do it, nothing will happen. Well, and do you have Spotify? I have Spotify, yes. Well, Spotify, I have found that Spotify is great for suggesting things to me. Yes? Yeah, okay. It yeah. has a thing on it. What is it called? Release, release radar. It's one of the things. So it's basically as okay. new music comes out, it sort of yeah. listen, it it takes note of all the music that you like or the playlists that you make or what you listen yeah. to, and then it goes, oh, I think you might like this, and what about this? And I hate to admit it, but it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> that, great. That, it's that, good. I, that I'm that predictable, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's generally no, suggests, suggests things to me that I will like. If that would actually work, that I would enjoy that too, because I had tried the Amazon Prime, because we have Amazon Prime and there's also like a music library, and I tried that suggested feature, and I hated everything that it suggested to me, so I gave it up. And on YouTube, like sometimes I have like favorite song, and then the next one that is suggested I might like, but then it then then that was it. It's the end of it. <laughs> then the next one wouldn't be nice. Yeah. 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 But I will yeah. try the Spotify feature. Maybe it's better. It has a better algorithm. I will definitely try it. Hmm. Yeah, no, I found it good. Oh, wonderful. Um. Okay. Swarup uh, Kagli in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, hi, Swarup. He's oh. one of my students of my course. Oh, okay. Cool. 
Okay, so he uh, starts off with the quote. Uh, so he said, the quote is, the artist must be shaken by the naked truths that will not be comforted. This divine discontent, this disequilibrium, this state of inner tension is the source of artistic energy. He must never grow complacent, never be content with life, must always demand the impossible, and when he cannot have it, must despair. The burden of the mystery must be with him day and night. And then, oh so Suarez's question then is, Hi John, um, I would like to ask uh, Leoba uh, if she has ever driven by such strong emotion as the above in her art. Well, definitely when I was younger, I wanted to accomplish a certain degree of, of skill set and quality and I would be extremely unhappy about it because I couldn't have it because I was very bad. And um, that fortunately um, got a little bit like faded when my skills got better and I achieved a certain um, quality, but still um, I want to be better and I'm dissatisfied with some of my work and I definitely want to improve them. Fortunately, I'm not um, in an emotional distress or have to be extremely sad or depressed about it. That wouldn't be a nice life. So, <laughs> um, but I, I, still, uh, I still want to get better and I I don't, wouldn't want my art to be on that level. In fact, I feel that on social media it um, makes one to produce a small work and then the quality is not that great. So, for example, when I started out, I would work a month on a, or two months on a painting and you see the difference. They have more work in them, the paintings are bigger, they have more details. And I think they might be even better than most of the paintings that I do now. And that is a little bit unfortunate. But I have a nicer life now. <laughs> kind of, kind of something has to go right. Something has to give. But yeah, I still want my work to be better, definitely. It's not that, like, horrible, like, in the situation, but yeah. Yeah, something so, I so think every artist. That sounds does. miserable. <laughs> you are very miserable. It's like, yeah. um, you know, I consider myself to be an artist, and I'm, you know, I'm. <laughs> I think I'm much more interested in having a happy life. That that yeah. is quite. Yeah. No, go ahead. I think Van Gogh, like Vincent Van Gogh, was definitely one of these people. Like when I do my when I did my research, I was like I was like I thought like this poor man like he tortured himself so much. It was not necessary in my opinion, but um, he was definitely a candidate for that. Uh, for that poem or citation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he also had mental health problems, so that doesn't yeah, say much. For the, doesn't say much for the quote. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can yeah. only be an artist if you've got, you know, um, anxiety, I think depression, it and bipolar. Mm. Yeah, I th I think it helps. Like many comedians and, and well, musicians who have like these problems are like the greatest. I That's true, that yeah. Good. But I'm rather a happy person. I don't have to be, like, the best artist. Just I just like to be happy most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, no. Me too. I'd rather, much rather have a happy life. Yeah. Um, he, that's a, that, that quote is from um, Humphrey Trevelyan, and he's talking about uh, Gyot. Gyot? I think I'm not pronouncing that right. You know that 
Joanna Philosopher. Oh, oh. Goethe. 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 Now, if you're thinking to yourself, God, I'm really enjoying this podcast. I've listened to a few now and they're brilliant. And there's so many of them. And I've learned so much from listening to them. And you know what? If I met that John Dalton fellow in real life, I'd love to buy him a cup of tea and have a chat with him. I'd love to do that every month if I could. Well, now you can. The tea part, at least, because this podcast runs on cups of tea bought for me by people like you who listen to the podcast and send me the price of a cup of tea once a month through the Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, Gently Does It, all one word. And if you're one of those people who already send me cups of tea through Patreon, thanks a million. The tea is lovely, and I really appreciate it. Now, the great thing is that if you can't afford to send me the price of a cup of tea or you don't want to, that's fine. You still get exactly the same podcast for free. It's sort of an honor system where the people who can afford it and want to pay for the people who can't or don't want to. So it's all lovely. So if you'd like to send me a cup of tea once a month, you can do that through Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference to me. I'm so excited that you get that you got so many questions, by the way, because my Instagram post is so horrible. I think I got one comment. I was, oh great! I'm wondering like what what Jean uh, uh, will do with like the one question he he's probably make something up. No, no, I got <laughs> some. We got some. I got some on Patreon, like this next one. Uh, oh, Kathleen, Kathleen Clark on Patreon. Uh, thanks for the tea, Kathleen. Kathleen, sorry, oh, I say Kathleen. Kathleen hey. Clark. Yeah, Kathleen. So, Kathleen says, what's with all the fluffy women? Images of fluffy women, uh, and in brackets I am now fond of this new term, are like bindweed in my garden. They're invasive, tangled, only gotten rid of by persistent yanking. They have delicate white flowers, make no fruit, and choke my raspberries. They spread throughout our culture, spread throughout our culture, the skinny, pouting models, the sexized, and in brackets, then she says, oh, another new word. Young teens with shirts falling off their shoulders, yeah. rampant, yeah. powerful, glitzy, magnetic. Yeah. Would you want to go on a 19-hour bus ride with any of them? No. I <laughs> uh, she would be whining and complaining the whole way. I understand this sort of depiction has a long history in painting, and it appeals maybe, and it appeals maybe soothes like fluffy music and fluffy states of mind. Just personally, I'm just personally weary of it. And as my rant winds down and I acknowledge that there are many ways to live a life, I see this all comes from a longing to be real. I will, of course, listen to try to educate myself and keep my mind open. I am even inspired to look at contemporary figurative painters who might depict women as whole, honest-to-goodness humans who can be messy and cranky and hilarious and perhaps beautiful. And then there was a follow-on comment on that from uh, Simon Austin, also on Patreon, uh, and he uh, adds to Kathleen's question. He says, Kathleen, I understand it, and it is miles away from the likes of uh, Collowitz and Sherman et al., Cindy Sherman, et cetera. Uh, I reckon the rant is valid. If I often wonder about the current rising tide of these images... Maybe that's the question to ask the artist. What is, it, what is it about the subject matter that makes it desirable to put a lot of effort into uh, painted? What is the artist's metier or reason or way of working? 
So. <laughs> I love this question so much. I love it. I wish you would have more, like, really um, criticizing questions. It makes it so much more interesting. Like, like all these questions, like, where did you get your inspiration from? It's like, everyone asked it, but this is great. I love it. I find it wonderful. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly where to start. Like, there are a hundred reasons. Hopefully, I can rem remember, like, two of them. <laughs> um, first of all, like, you don't have to um, educate yourself completely, right? It's mean, yeah. Like, you can have completely have, like, your own taste. And and um, actually, like, if I might meet real like real, like people in real, real life, like outside of the internet, most people don't like my art. They're like, oh, this is kitschy. Like, oh, a nice art you do, like very nice. And um, this is uh, so I, I can understand it. I find it I find it really nice that you ask this question. So um, it's just it is my taste. Like this is my um, when I grew up. Like I watched movies like, for example, The Labyrinth. Um, or I think, yeah, The Dark Crystal, like these fantasy movies where you have these princesses, these beautiful young girls who look so ethereal. And um, I just believe it's like something you have probably in your personality rooted deep in your brain what you think is beautiful. And you can't really change it. So it's not like I do these images because um, I have to do them because they are, are appealing? No, this is just this is just what I like. It's if you would ask me, do you like spaghetti? <laughs> and I say no, I like it, but I like pizza. This is just my taste. Like you, sometimes you wonder why people have a certain taste and you can't understand it. They can't explain it to you. They they just like it. Um, I I love these uh, the appearance of these young women. If they would be real life, they would probably. Either don't, doesn't exist because the faces are not really too realistic. They are almost like doll-like. Um, but if they would exist, they would be very young probably. And um, for me, it's not about sexy. So I know that people would think, okay, or would say my art is sexy or erotic, but it isn't really. Like for me, it's just the beauty that a human face can have maybe or that we I, I would love to, to, to have a face like that myself. Obviously, it's just completely fantastic. And it doesn't really exist in real life. And it's just what I like a lot. And uh, it makes me happy when I look at these paintings. And it makes it's so much fun to create all these different women. Like, this is a goddess. This one is another goddess. This is, a I don't know, a, a fairy. And it's just you, you invent a new person every time. And it is this wonderful, beautiful goddess that doesn't exist in real life. And it just, it fulfills me, it makes me happy, it satisfies me. And um, I think you either like it, or you hate it, or you don't really like it at all. And I think it's completely fine. Like, if you don't like these objects, it's great, because you will like other things, like more. So it, it doesn't really have to do with feminism or... I don't know, like people you want to spend your time with. It's more an aesthetic, not not really a, a message. I, I connect my paintings with mythology, for example, also not real people like goddesses or or mis, mis, um is this the word? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, like in this fairy tales, I often research if I have a particular um, subject. I think this could be the goddess of the Sumerian 
um, religion, for example. And this is this is this is probably what I would say to this question. So you don't have to like it, and it's not that I make it for for other people. It's just my taste, and I can't change it. So I tried it in the beginning. I would paint more um, like the classical art marks market stuff, like maybe more animals, um, or in the beginning I, I painted women that look very like realistic without being beautified in any way, and I liked it, but I liked the other stuff more, like the more fantasy, the more idealized it gets, the more I like it, so uh, yeah, it's just my taste, so <laughs> I, I hope that explains it. Yeah, and what about what like uh, Kathleen was kind of alluding to, maybe, yeah. um, I don't want to read into it, but this, the and kind of what Simon was saying as well, is that there's a lot of this kind of uh, idealized versions of women, and yeah. um, that maybe that's, there isn't a balancing kind of thing for young girls or young or women, mm -hmm. and that it, that it puts pressure on women yeah. to sort of, Absolutely. Yeah. Try and be and I you know, match mm -hmm. themselves up against an idealized thing that's not real. And I think that's what Catherine is kind of about about, you know, like look getting yeah. wanting something that's a bit more real. That is absolutely true. Um I think as long as it if you if you have a photo, for example, of a model, I think it's horrible because young people don't know how much Photoshop is in it. Um so as long as it is on photos and people don't um, say what they have all changed, I think it's absolutely true. You shouldn't do it, and it has a very bad influence on them. It had a bad influence on me when I was young. I was feeling miserable, miserable when I looked at the um, magazines, and and I didn't like it. Um, now, fortunately, I know exactly what they all did with Photoshop, so it doesn't doesn't uh, bother me at all because I can make myself look like that too if I want. It's just not the reality. And um, it's still this thing that that I think in our brains we like the most, like these young pictures. Like the the, 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 the young version, like doll-like picture is probably in our brain. We can't really do anything about it. Um, but in photos, I think it's very bad, and you should um, educate like young people about it that it is fake. It's very important that you have to do it. I think in art, it's like completely fine because it's just art. It, you know, it's not a real thing. It's just mm. like someone invented it. Obviously, if it's a manga figure, like you know, it's not a real person, and so we can kind of like indulge in, as an artist in our uh, vision to have these beautiful goddesses that don't exist in real life. But absolutely, in photos and in magazines, it's so important to like say these these girls. This is not real. In reality, this person has a double chin, or uh, it she doesn't have like the eyes are not as big. Like it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that part of the appeal of as you the this the uh, representation of women that you do and that other people do? Um, is that it, in a way, represents innocence and the innocence of childhood. And that we just can't, you know, unless you had a very memorably bad, difficult childhood, we kind of think of who we were as children and we 
can't help but almost kind of romanticize that innocence that we had because we always we all lose it. <laughs> uh, that is a very beautiful interpretation, but I think it's not true. <laughs> I think it's 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 probably a very primitive instinct in our brains that just uh, goes back in our evolution that young women can have many children and they are viewed both by other women and and men as the best thing, the most valuable uh, part of the species. And I think this is the only reason why we find why we find that beautiful. Probably this is my theory. Um, this doesn't change that I like these uh, images um, as much as I do. Like I can't change. Mm. I like them just. I just like them. But I think this is the reason, and it's just it's our primitive instincts that uh, that drive us to this um, perception of these of these pictures. Or maybe, maybe, as a woman, uh, maybe they remind us of our own children. Could be, could be another. Because I think most uh, mostly female artists paint these images like I do. Rarely men do this. They are some, but rarely. So maybe it is like a combination of maybe a daughter or maybe something that we would like to be in our dreams. We want to be these perfect uh, goddesses. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think it's just based on, on instincts of the of the humans. So um, unfortunately, the I don't think there's much but to be the, the thing is, like the instincts, yeah. that, that idea that it's just an instinct thing, um, like... If that was true, then it would be consistent through uh, throughout history. It would be the same. You yeah. Know? And yeah, it's not like, you know, like if you think back to the sort of Rubens time, all the women were much bigger and that was like, oh, you know, that's yeah. lovely. And different cultures yeah. have different um, things that they um, find beautiful. So the whole idea yeah. of what's beautiful is more of a social norm than a genetic thing, I think. Um, I th I would disagree with that because the mo many women also like an academic art over the history. Well, also young women like you wouldn't see an old woman that would be, be like a very old woman that would depict as beautiful. Mm. Although they are beautiful, obviously. But um, I think also the Rubens women were uh, younger women or like I don't know, not like super old ones. So I would say like the the age. Someone just knocked at the window. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my father. It's my father. <laughs> this is so funny. This is so funny. Yeah, they just came back from vacation and he wanted to say hi. So, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I yeah. thought he had a comment about the conversation. <laughs> no, I think no, it's actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so What about Renoir? All his women were big as well. <laughs> I I think he isn't that great in, with English. No, he was okay. just in the backyard here and wanted to knock because he was uh, calling me, but I I just uh, put it out and now he wanted to see like what 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 is with my daughter and he just wanted to see probably what's going on with me. Very funny. <laughs> Anyways, I think. Um, it is very unfortunate that our society doesn't appreciate older women and I think it's, we can't change it really much because like our instincts and our brains are still the same like they were when we are cave people 
and people will always find younger women more attractive, unfortunately. Um, I think that um, it, it is probably, I'm not sure, I wish this society would find a way that we can appreciate everything that is beautiful and appreciate every age. Obviously, because I'm getting older and I want to be perceived beautiful when I'm 70, of course. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the ideal will always be the young women, I think. So, even women like young women, so I don't think we can change a lot. But with the weight thing, I think that's totally a, a society thing. Because when I grew up, um, thin booties were the best thing you can have. And now it's big booties. And, um, so it is. I would say the, the the image of the body. I would say this is something that, um, like the shape, is yeah. something that the society can change. But with the age, I think the society has a a, a weaker force to change it. Yeah, you can't really we can't really talk about the history of age though because everyone did, didn't live that long back. So you and know, true, pa- painting right? painting younger people, you know, because there weren't that, that many old true. people. <laughs> so ah, maybe maybe it will true. change. Maybe it will mm-hmm. change as, as uh, it, it would be nice. Yeah. 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 The only like um, older women paintings that I can think of. I mean, Sargent painted a couple, but usually it was kings or queens or people of you know who had yeah. that kind of power to make sure that they were painted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it would be nice if it, it if the society could change it. So I'm rooting for it definitely. <laughs> um, unfortunately, my own taste is kind of like set in one. It, it changed a little bit, but not really my subject, so I would change. I like abstract art a little bit more, but my favorite painting subject, like the young woman, is still the same. So um, I totally agree with Kathleen that it is not the greatest thing that people are like that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is an, a fascinating topic to me, definitely. Right. Um, so... Um, you got featured on Patreon, I noticed. You know, you had a video oh, yeah, that Patreon... How did that happen? Yeah. Oh, that was so nice. Um, I think it was because, like, the um, in Germany, they wanted to feature German creators, uh, mm. German creators, and um, I'm not sure why they picked me. Um, I'm not, like, the most successful one at all, mm. Um but I don't know. I think they just like it. Maybe they they wanted they had, they had two artists, me and Sarah Faber, and they had some musicians. So I think they just randomly or they just just um, picked some that they probably like the most or they find the most interesting from what they do. Maybe the more different things like she did or she does like digital art and I do traditional art. So I think because mm. of that and because they look they look for German creators, I was. Probably, maybe at that time, one of the people that did that, and there were not so, not so many others. I would think that. Yeah. Um, Alpi didn't get featured. Uh, Alpi FA yeah. is like Leoba's yeah. husband. He he didn't get featured, did he? <laughs> no, because I think they didn't. Firstly, um, he only started his Patreon page uh, okay. back then. And you were you were ahead of him on that. Yeah, I was ahead of him, 
And um, after that, I said, hey, my husband is an artist one day. And they were like, yeah, that's so cool. And um, maybe they will do with him so something with him in future. Uh, I, I could see that. Um, it was just like coincidence, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know they did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I've been with Patreon for yeah. years, like probably since it started. Yeah. You know, a year after they started, I started with them. And, um, yeah, like, they've not, I mean, I'm much smaller, I'm sure. Well, I'm not that much smaller. I mean, you've got, what is it, about 450, 500 patrons? I'm no, not about. I never got 500. I'm so sad. Every month I try to get 500, but I never reach it. So everyone listening to <laughs> Well, this, look, after this podcast, it, yeah, it's just going to go through the roof. Um, yeah, so <laughs> <yeah>. <Probably. laughs> well, No, well, I've got about uh, 200. And, um, That's great. That's but I, thank you. And I'm very grateful for them. But, like, from Patreon, Patreon, I, they have nothing to do with me. They never, they never, <laughs> but, you know, I never... Yeah, they've never done anything. I know. <laughs> so, so when I, I saw your video, I was I like, think. wow, they actually, they didn't know they did videos. <laughs> do they know I, I even think. exist? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I think they don't know they are creators because there are so many that they just don't know. Mm. Like they have, they're like, I don't know, millions probably, and they have to go through them individually and see yeah. who would fit. And I think there's just too many, so they don't even know like what people have on their platform yeah. and I think I also got features because feature because they did specifically a German advertising campaign oh. so if if it would be in a different like if you are in Ireland right yes maybe if they do an Ireland campaign they would maybe. come to you I would say I, I was also like firstly I was like why me um, because they are like so many other creators in Germany that are so much more successful than I am. Why me? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe they like my art, so that would be the nicest thing, of course. But, um, yeah, also, you don't have to be, like, uh, jealous about it because I think it's not, like, really that it's, like, very... Uh, you don't have, like, lots of it for yourself. It's just a nice thing, but it's not like you get patrons through that Also, It's just... Nice, yeah. being on the website, yeah. but it's not I, that you get like more patrons because of that. Yeah, I've never got any patrons from Patreon. <laughs> You're right, right. It's, it's not designed like that. Like, it, it wouldn't make sense for them because then the patrons would switch from one to another creator. They want to get patrons from outside from Patreon. Like it wouldn't be a, a smart business model if it would be different. Well, they could kind of, um, <clears throat> a little bit like what I was saying about Spotify. They were like, oh, well, if you like this kind of art, have you seen this other oh, yeah. person? Then maybe you like that. Yeah. You know, I would like that. But that would be that would be really bad for the creators. <laughs> so I would definitely don't, don't I, I wouldn't want that. Like on Etsy, for example, if you have like an Etsy shop or so, or like Redbubble, and then other products, from other people are like recommended to your customers and then they, they buy from the other people's and not people not from you. You wouldn't <laughs> want that. You kinda want to get like your customers be only your customers so that they don't spend the money on other customers. <laughs> Do you use Redbubble? Um, I wanted to use it because I really like their quality. Yeah. But I kind of on the fence with it because 
it would probably take a lot of time and then I won't, wouldn't get like lots of it back. Like you get only such a small percentage of the sales. Although I really like the quality, like I have lots of t-shirts from them. So I'm not sure, probably not, not going to use it. <laughs> well, I've been with them for years. And, <laughs> and they're good? Yeah, they're great, except they, you don't get anybody. You know, I've never, right. you know, I never sold anything through Red, uh, right. from Red Bull. Yeah. You know. Right. Um, that that, is, that was my idea too. Yeah, but you can set the percentage thing to whatever. You can make them as expensive or as cheap as you like. So you yeah. can set your margins. But then that I get like ten dollars a month or something, probably. No, no, they've got their base price. So let's say a T-shirt costs ten dollars. If you want to charge two hundred dollars for that T-shirt, you can. They're not going to. They're not going to stop you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah all, that sounds. All that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, their, all their products are, they've just got, well, this is what it costs, and then you can put whatever you want on top of that. Um, Sounds like a very realistic plan to me. I'm, go I'm going to do that. And if it's not working out, you will be, like, the reason for it. I'm coming for you then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. It didn't work. <laughs> well, you need to have your own shop, your own proper shop. You know, you can use their services, but if you if you don't have a way of connecting the people who like your stuff with oh. their products, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, it's probably better if you do the t-shirts yourself and print them. You would probably have more of it. Although it's more work, it's probably a balance, like, I don't know. Well, I like the ease of it, that if somebody, you know, wanted something, that Obviously. I don't have to go sourcing yeah. t-shirts. or I mean, they've got a huge range yeah. of products, like it's something like 40 products. Stuff you, yeah. you know, duvet cover, mugs, all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I know. They make really nice things. Like some for some artists also it works. Like they get a couple of hundred um, bucks a month, so that would be great. Yeah. Um, but they are long on it, and I think they feature it constantly on their social media and like that. Um, so I think you have to put a work work into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I, think I don't uh, have the time for it. Then. Yeah, me neither. I, like, if you could, if uh, you could connect people, if you find a way of connecting the people that like your stuff to the machine that is Redbubble, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Instagram, right? You can do that, or Facebook, for example. Um, but it's so hard on social media. It just gets. I think social media gets worse every year. So, good luck way? with that. Well, it's harder to reach people, right? If, even if you, even if you have a large following, reaching all of them is is impossible. Um, it's really impossible. For example, I have over two hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but I can't reach them. I only get a small percentage of them views and likes, and only these people read my posts. And it doesn't get easier, right? Um, mm. I don't get more likes, or I also don't get followers. People ask me like. How do you get so much followers? Well, I got them before they changed the algorithm. I have no clue how to get more followers now. I cannot help you anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I've noticed that too. Mine is mine stagnated for the last six months to a yeah. year. It just hasn't moved. Yeah. But I think that's yeah. to do with the way, you know, this, this announcement that they made on Instagram that it's no longer a picture-sharing platform. It's a video-sharing platform. Yeah. So yeah, but even if you do videos, I do videos too didn't get me any follow-up. I think you have to do the right content. It has to be trendy. It has to be just perfect. It has to be the one, the light, lightning in the bottle. 
and you have to recreate it. And if it's trendy and if it's kind of new and novel, then you can get followers. Yeah. Maybe in the beginning, maybe you can get like a little following. I'm not sure. So I don't get any. I, I'm no help. <laughs> um, okay. So another... Well, I'll just read it. Martha Linden on Facebook says, Yes, being an artist today is very much like being in any other career. As long as you're thin and pretty oh, and fashionable, comment. you'll be successful. Oh. Um, that, that's such a good comment. And then in brackets she says, I've loved and followed your art for ages, so I'm only teasing. And then she says, sort of. So yeah, I, I wrote that comment. That seemed a bit unkind to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of unkind. Well... I can uh, confidently say that I base my following not on my appearance, although I post a couple of pictures of me sometimes, but I know the statistics and the pictures don't get as many likes and I don't get any followers to it, so it doesn't really, fortunately doesn't have to do with my appearance. People do say that to me, but they're pretty, um, but no, it's not <laughs> that voice. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, just say, I just say thank you so much for that compliment. I take it. Thank you. But, yeah, it, it's not really like that. Um, I, it is really, fortunately, it is the art, and people are interested in my art. And, um, yeah, I wrote that post with, like, the idea that, um, which, what we also did, um, to talk about the art and like the business behind it because like I find it interesting um, how to be an artist today with, with juggling all the things the social media the video you have to do all your all you have to be your manager you have to be um, you have to do all the emails all the sitting yourself all the photographing all the archiving scanning and then the painting on top like, I find that very interesting as, as a thing to talk about um, because it changed so much. Like, 10 years ago, it was different than 20 years ago. And yet, well, it can have to do something with appearance. So if you base your social media only on your, on your appearance, you can do a, um, a job out of that too. But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't find that, that, that comment unkind. I just take it as a compliment. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. There is a, a whole subdivision of Instagram of uh, young women who take pictures of themselves beside their painting and they're wearing naked. yoga, naked. practically naked. Yeah. Well, usually it's kind of like yeah. yoga clothing or, and there's, yeah. they are standing in very, uh, <laughs> like, uh, contrived kind of ways. You know, the back is arched and it's all, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> but it doesn't help. It doesn't help. If it would help, like, okay, no no problem, do do what you want to do. But it doesn't. Like, the people you attract are people that want different things from you, that don't want your art. So it won't, won't help. You would get followers from it, you will get views from it, but nobody will buy your art if you just put your body behind it. I mean, maybe there are some collectors that like to know the artist and that want to maybe... If she's a beautiful woman or if he's a beautiful man, they maybe are more inclined to buy it. But maybe it is 1% or I don't know. Like the majority is really just interested in the art and the people, the followers that the people, the young ladies or the 
young gentlemen yet will not be interested in their art. Yeah. They can do only fans then, successfully, yeah. but unfortunately not sell art. They can only do what? Only fans. Only fans, yeah, right. Okay. Right. They can do that <laughs> successfully, and they will get a lot of money for it. Like, mm, But I'm not sure, like, in the beginning they uh, they did. Now it's probably harder, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> nobody should do it, but... Uh, the, there's money in it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole world. I know of it. I know the name OnlyFans. Yeah, it's it, that's to do with porn slightly, hasn't it? Or mm. is that just my? Idea? No, it, 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 it is porn, right? I was fascinated by it because so many people did it, and I think it's obviously I think it's really horrible <laughs> because it destroys like relationships and like the normal. Um, like kind of normality, I just think it destroys normality. But I can understand why people do it. Like I totally understand it. If you get lots of money for it and um, lots of appreciation for your for yourself, maybe for your um, appearance, I can totally understand why people do it. Yeah. But I I think they're like I don't want to condemn like people like sex workers or anything like that. So yeah. They are free to do what they want. I think it's very harmful for, for for people, though. Right. So it's kind of like an amateur thing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, right. It is. Okay. No, it's like Patreon, but you offer, like, pictures or videos of yourself. Oh. And, oh, like, the, like the, the thought of it, like, you have to imagine, like, it is the Internet, but it is like if you would do a video of yourself, and you just give it your neighbor. Here, you can watch me naked. Like, who wants to do that? It is horrible. Like, yeah. everyone could see it there. So, no. Yeah. Like, it, it's horrible. Yeah. At least for me. Like, people, there are many people that do it. But, yeah. 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 Okay. That took a turn. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the last piece of art you bought? Um... I think I bought a print from uh, one of the Bad Apple artists. Um, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to butcher her name. Let me see if I get it right. Because it's like an Italian name. And um, I'm really I'm really bad. Okay, let me... Well, I can help. I'm very good at pronouncing names, as you might have heard. Yeah, you're <laughs> wonderful. Emilia, Emilia, where are you... Yeah, on, on Instagram she's called Etara, but this is not her her real name. Emilia Bos Boscoli, I think. She's going to hate me now because I can't even remember her name correctly. I'm like the worst people person ever. Well, is she, what is what is it again on uh, Instagram? E T E T A V A. Etara, E T A R A. But I'm going to find her here on Facebook. I have to find her. Oh, I, I found her. Elisabetta Boscolo. Elisabetta Boscolo. Very good. Elisabetta Boscolo. So, you see, it's just a complicated, complicated name. Um, and, okay. um, yeah. yeah, she paints this beautiful, um, she's Italian, but uh, she paints these beautiful samurai ladies and samurai knights 
who are kissing or fighting or just standing there. So beautiful because she combines like this old Japanese woodcut, woodblock um, printing style with like fantasy themes. And he, she paints like super meticulous artworks with lots of um, little details and, and um, there's so much meticulous work in it. And I just, it, it, uh, the work hangs in my kitchen and every time I look at it and there are so many details in it and it's so beautiful. And um, yeah, this is, she's definitely one of my favorite artists. Yeah. And yeah, she definitely is uh, underrated. So more people should know her. She makes beautiful work. All right. Very good. Um, okay. So you're on a desert island. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else there. Um, you have um, all your food and shelter taken care of, and there are some art materials there. Would you make art even though no one's ever going to see it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love it. I do it like when I when I'm not. Um, it's it's just my my way. If I'm bored, like it it just entertains me. <laughs> Makes. I just like it. For example, I was on a on a um, children's birthday some time ago, and it was boring. <laughs> and so I was just drawing all the children, and of course that drew a lot of attention. But I would be just super happy just drawing all the children. It's just so much fun. It, it's so interesting. Um, it is just everything that you paint, and you have to kind of observe it, and it falls into little pieces. Like, and it, it's really interesting. Like. I would totally do it. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, Shafna Rashid in India again says, "Are you self? Are you self-taught? Are you a self-taught artist, uh, Lioba?" I would say fifty and fifty percent. So fifty percent I taught myself, and the other half, my husband taught me because I um, we met when we were very young. Like I was seventeen, he was eighteen, and um, he was very good. And uh, already, and I said, please teach me painting, and he did it. So over the next like couple of years, he taught me everything, and I think she, he's still like, but I think he's pretty good, like pretty much, like I would say he's definitely better than me. So, <laughs> and um, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm always asking him, um, could I, could you help me improve this or that, and. And um, so this is the one half, and the other half is like all the everything else, like all the watercolor skills and like how I composed my pictures and the little details and like how to work on canvas, for example. He works on on wood, so it's fifty-fifty, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, but you did go to art college. You went to art college to, yeah, together, but, didn't you? Yeah, but there you don't learn anything. <laughs> like nothing, really nothing. It's just like object installation art. Like have this abstract object there on the wall, and then you tell your thoughts about it, and then this is art. It's not 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 a real academy. I mean, it's extremely pre- prestigious, and you get your diploma there. But if you want to learn art, you go go somewhere else. Like you will find everything you need on the internet or a personal teacher or something, but not. Um, yeah. Not there. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're talking about skills, though, really, aren't you, rather than art? Right, right. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. About the skill set, like how to paint. Yeah. 
Um, Hannah in Brazil says, do you have any recommendations about art, artists, um, or in general that you feel inspired by? Hmm. Oh, that is so hard. There are so many good artists. That is a really hard question because, I mean, there are lots of, lots of beautiful art. And I would say, hmm, I mean, everything is good, good advice. And currently, I recently I visited the Claude Monet exhibition like two years ago in Vienna and um, Gustav Klimt's work we also um, visited. And if you see these um, paintings in real life, it is a difference. So it is, it is com something completely different than you would see on, um, on the internet because you see the structure and the dimension of the painting. So my recommendation would be to, um, instead of specific artists, just go to a museum and have a look at the work in real life. It will inspire you more than you than something that you would see on the internet. Um, whenever I come back from an exhibition, I'm like completely inspired and I want to paint like that artist because it is so mind-blowing. So just go to something like a classic or, yeah, just a, a good exhibition with, with good paintings. I think that, that I would recommend. Yeah, Aaron Westerberg was just telling me um, a couple of episodes ago that there's a Repin uh, exhibition in Paris until January. Did you know that? A what? In where? Repin. You know Repin, the Russian artist? Oh, mm, mm, I, oh don't, know I don't. You'll know his stuff if you see it. It's amazing. Probably. But apparently okay. it, the, his work doesn't leave Russia that often. And uh, it's in. there's an exhibition of his work in Paris, which runs until... In Paris? Ah. In January. Okay, oh, this how is the artist uh, called? Maybe I can look it up. R R E P I S. R. Ah, you mean Rubens? No, no, Repin. R E P. P for Peter. I N. Hmm. Yeah, I will look that up later. That is not too complicated. Also, I'm so bad at like, um, how do you call it? Like doing this in Germany, like with the letters. I'm already bad at it. Edit in German. <laughs> I'm worth right. it in English. Oh, here, let me show you. I think I can show you. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, do this. Like the screen share thing. Ilya Rappin is his name. Oh. Yes, you can do screen share. Oh, I'm excited. There. Oh, Rappin. Oh, really? I, I think I, I didn't know his, uh, the name, but um, I think I have... Uh, seen his works maybe in the Louvre maybe yeah but yeah very very academic art definitely with uh, yeah. Russian yeah. but beautiful yes very I think beautiful. that's him I think that's him let's just check now I've so got the name right right the next yeah at the Petit Palais ah he's at the Petit Palais until um, January yeah that's it yeah cool how wonderful well I'm not in Paris unfortunately but I know, but you're just up the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, but I, we also have no plans for Paris until January. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. maybe, a trip line up where, you know, in Europe you can go, like, everyone, everywhere very, very easily. Like, two years ago we were in Prague, for example. It was very beautiful. And I saw Alphonse Mucha's work for the first time, and it was mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Really beautiful. 
the the um that arts history podcast I was talking about they have um a nice episode about Mucha and his relationship with Sarah Barnhart and the whole story behind that and how she gave him his start and all that kind of thing. It's very interesting. Was he um, his mistress? I know he had a wife and one or two mistresses, but I don't know more. No, like Sarah, do you know who Sarah Bernhardt was? She she would have been like the Kim Kardashian of her age. But oh, she was really? Just, yeah, except she was a, an actor. And oh, um, she was very um, notoriously difficult to deal with. And on Christmas, <laughs> day, <laughs> on Christmas day, she just she wanted uh, a new poster, and he uh, Muka just happened to be in the print studio because he was man poor, and you know he just happened to be there on Christmas day, and she basically walked in and said, "I want a poster," and he designed a poster for her, and that 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 was the start of his uh, career. Oh, really. I know, I know that poster. This is like the most. Um, uh, a famous poster of an actress. I saw that yes. poster. I think yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, and and the poster like survived the actress. Like nobody knows the actress anymore, but the poster everyone knows. I think that was the. Well, they, yeah, I probably know to see, but yeah, uh, she's pretty well known, Sarah Bernhardt. You know, she. Um, okay. She uh, yeah, she she was huge. She was huge. She she pretty much. He ended up doing like twenty or fifteen or twenty posters for her. Like you know, she really. <laughs> monopolized him, you know, because he was the new hot, <laughs> hot thing, you know. Yeah, that's such true. a sensation yeah. in Paris when that poster came out, yes. the first one. Yes, I, yep, yep, I, I read that too in the exhibition that he was uh, very, like, extremely popular suddenly mm. with this poster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're so yeah. beautiful, though. <laughs> they, they still, they still look beautiful. Like they never. They are. Really they are pretty timeless, in my opinion. Mm. They're, yeah, me too. If you, if someone would do them on Instagram today, they would probably get viral too. So that's very timeless. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. That whole yeah. uh, Art Nouveau, it's uh, everything yeah. is so lovely. Uh, none, none I of love Art Nouveau. I, I love it. I found like I did a video about Art Nouveau and research about it, and and the Art Nouveau period started in 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 and it and it only went till nineteen twelve like yeah. about, and um, it was so quickly and it go went completely over Europe and in every country every every country they built these beautiful buildings. Like uh, Gaudi in Spain mm, and, and yeah. in Poland, they they have um, not only Mucha, uh in 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 the uh, east of Europe, also other artists, and it even spreads through uh, uh, America. Um, but it was very quickly over because people just probably got saturated by the by this extremely by this extreme style, like. You immediately see it's Art Nouveau, like you can't, it's like a little bit like sweet food, it is beautiful, but if you have enough from it, you don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, and after that, like, the the modern art kind of came a little bit like that. Uh, I, I'm not a, like, a specialist, really. Yeah. <laughs> but I can, I, I can understand, like, why, why everyone loves it, but it's not everywhere, because it's kind of too much. It's too, too romantic, I think. But I like it too. I think it's beautiful. Art Deco came after it, didn't it? 
Right. Ah, Beko came came then, and then a bit harder. Um, the others are a bit harder. Yeah, more yes, angles. yes, it's more angles. You have these um, um, geometrical forms because they at that time they um, found, for example, the um, e um, archaeologists found ancient Egyptian hmm. stuff for the first time, and for a bigger, I think they found like Tudang um, Amun or something like a bigger, like excavation is the word, I think. And, and then they, excavation, right. And then they, um, they had this new style, like the ancient art, and that influenced their art, and this is the art, um, the co movement is influenced by ancient Egyptian art. I right. researched that and I found it uh, very interesting. Yeah. And after, and after that, like it developed. Like I never understood, for example, why modern art was so popular. But after I looked a little bit into these themes, um, because of my YouTube videos, I found that it was like a natural evolution from the styles, like Gustav Klimt, and then um, Egon Schiele, for example. It got a little bit modern, and then the classic modern period came, and um, it all just it was a natural evolution because. For me, it's like people know this one, they want something different, and they just go in this direction. And it probably goes back to something. They, they always want something different. Yeah. Um, if there was one underlying theme to all your work, what do you think it would be? Mm, I would say, like, it's hard to put into words. Maybe like a, a dreamlike state, maybe something out of a dream, um, where you would be like in a in a um, flower garden surrounded by butterflies and um, beautiful plants, and yeah, something like that, something like a, a scene of a dream. That is just the, the 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 paradise form. Yeah, I I'm I'm just bad at it. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you um are you interested in your dreams? You know, are you some somebody who thinks about their dreams and analyzes them or? Well, yeah. Um, actually, I'm not really a spiritual person that much, but my dreams they warn me, <laughs> and. So far, they want me uh, a couple of things that happened, like bad things, because I, like, I have good dreams, but if I have a bad dream, I think, okay, there must be something behind it, because like my unconsciousness consciousness wants to say me something, and I, and it's not like wrong. Like sometimes my dreams are really true when they warn me of something bad happened, and then I, I look, okay, did I, did I fuck up there something? Did there forgot to talk to that person, for example, or did this person really do this um, assignment right, and then they didn't, and my dream warned me, and it was like the, the worst case scenario. Like, I don't want to go into, into specifics, but if I had bad, if I had bad dreams, I, I uh, look um, into them. <laughs> right. Wow. Like right? War nighttime warning system. Right. Like, Handy. So that you can never get any rest. <laughs> um, okay, so the art business comes up a lot on the podcast, and yeah. you, um, I can't remember now, it was one of your videos, you were talking about 
being a traditional artist, meaning uh, traditional in the business sense of, uh, you know, you, you let your gallery, assuming you get into a gallery, they handle everything and you just make your paintings mm -hmm. and they do all the the other work. So you were talking about yeah. a traditional artist and then you were saying you're either that kind of an artist or, and I can't remember how you described it, I'm just going to say like a social media artist where you're yeah. doing everything. Was, was that the term yeah. you used, social media artist or something like that? I, you draw, I you can't remember but probably true. Yeah, you drew a distinction between the two and I thought that was very, I, I think it was, you're the first person I've heard who actually put it in in that uh, very clear kind of terms like that. I kind of called it a thing. <laughs> um, and you'd very much be the, the latter type, the, let's call yeah. it, social media artist. Yeah. Um, like, just if you're listening, um, Leoba's got 197,000 subscribers on YouTube, as she said, 215,000 followers on uh, Instagram, and 455,000 uh, patrons on Patreon, and to me, you're a great example of making the most of what you create, because right. now, there's probably more to this, but just from what I've observed, you've got the painting, then you've got the short video of making the painting for YouTube, then you've got the long video of making the painting for Patreon, then you possibly have a print of that painting, possibly a pin like a little <laughs> pin of that. And I didn't know about the magnets until you mentioned them, the magnets and, and the T-shirt. And I'm, I'm sure there are others as well. So like one piece of creation, like the painting, and then all this um, repurposing of that one painting to get the absolute maximum out of it. Uh, it, it, it would be great if it would always work out like that, obviously. But it's not as much as you would think. Um, I kind of, I, I unfortunately can't turn every painting in all of these things, although I would love to. But not every painting fits for a video or for a print. Some paintings just don't look good at prints, or it's not, or they are not that like um, popular, so I don't turn them into prints. But ideally, it would be like that. So that that would be great. But I think if you want to be good at something, for example, if you want to make a good tutorial, learn that over the years, um, then. It, it would be like contradictory to paint a good painting, unfortunately. For example, if you have a good tutorial that teaches you exactly how to paint a face perfectly realistic. However, the painting, it turns out, is just a boring portrait. Absolutely boring. No, nobody wants to hang it on the walls. A nice painting would have had some abstractions, maybe something destroyed in the background, but then it wouldn't look as realistic anymore. So sometimes the two, oftentimes, like the two ends um, don't go together. And then you have the painting, then how do you want to turn it into a pin if it doesn't have like a white space around it? You want a pin that is like a contained subject. You don't want like something in the background where you have the background emerging with the painting. Then it wouldn't make a good uh, pin, for example. Yeah, so it doesn't always work so nice, although it would be great. <laughs> but I, I definitely try to combine lots of things, that's true. Yeah, because I, I think it's a state of mind. Uh, like, as you say, yeah. not everything is going to be, you can't do everything with everything. Yeah, that's true. But um, to, you know, like I, I know loads of artists who do paintings, and they're just, 
and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but I am, I, um, they just, the painting is it, and like, that's all they're interested yeah. in. And having that kind of mindset of, there's a lot of things you could do with that painting. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things, particularly like, okay, not a, not every artist has got a great personality, but most do. Most are pretty interesting, certainly the ones I talk to. <laughs> and so if you've got a reasonable kind of personality, you will, you know, you, that's another thing that you can add to it of like, well, I'm painting anyway, so just with a little bit of extra, you know, up, upskilling, bit of video, bit of sound and how to do that, um, then I can also create another little income stream for myself um, oh, to go yeah. with my well, painting. Mm. Well, I think it's it's easier than easier said than done because the whole video creation takes incredible amount of time. <laughs> so that all the artists, for example, I listened to like one of your podcasts before we did this podcast with like a, a artist that I listened to at the beginning. Like her name was something Arazu Arasasu or something like. Arantazu, yeah, yeah, Arantazu. Arantazu, yeah. Took me a while to get Yeah, <laughs> the name, but a beautiful one. And yeah. she does these amazing, incredible paintings. They take, like, I don't know how many months. How you want to make videos on top of that? There's no time for it. You have to, something has, has to give. So for me, it was, I have to do smaller paintings and I have to do watercolors because our paintings take just take so too long. So for all the oil painters, it would be really difficult for them to make YouTube videos. I mean, my husband does, does them, but I know how difficult it is. And it, is, it really takes a lot of discipline to do it. And um, I don't think everyone really can do it. Like, you have to have... Everything has to be right. Like, um, you need time, you need the skills. It's not so easy than you would think. Like, I think... Because of that, on YouTube, you always find more watercolor artists because it doesn't take so much time. But really, the, the gallery oil painters, they do these really complicated paintings. I don't think they have time for videos, really. But yeah. they could do print. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, as, as I say, it's not, you know, the, like what, what strikes me often, though, is that it's um, not so much of whether, you know, of kind of looking into it and going, yes, I could do that, but I don't have the time for it. Uh, I often get the feeling that it never occurs to people. Um, oh, well. It just doesn't, you know, and that's fine if you are making loads of money from selling paintings. But a lot of people are yeah. not. They still want to paint. They just have the burning passion to paint, uh, but they're struggling. So they go into other avenues like teaching or... Mm -hmm. You know, they have a second job, maybe. Um, yeah. Where, whereas um, I think what's very inspiring about what you do is that mindset um, of, uh, I'm doing this anyway, so how can I get the absolute most yeah. out of this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, is, yeah that's, that, that helps, yeah. <laughs> and at, at, like that, having that just shift in perspective of, you know, yeah, I know everything is complicated. I mean, even just like all the stuff we talk about, Redbubble, I mean, God, set up a Redbubble shop, I mean, it's torturous, but 
if you want to do it, if you want to be able to sell t-shirts relatively easy, you set it all up, it's painful, but then once it's set up, then, you know, all you've got to do is... So much, much more difficult than a red bubble shop. It is so complicated. <laughs> it's horrible. You have to, not only have the footage, just the lighting, everything has to be in the perfect light. The, how does the camera work? Like, then the the different video formats there are from each, for each social media platform. It has to have a different format. You have to do four videos. Then the YouTube video script, the writing of them. Then the thumbnails. The most important things are thumbnails. It takes forever. It really takes a long time. So um, I can understand why people don't want to do it. Um, but I also understand that you uh, would think that it makes more sense. This is why why we do it too, like because it's the best. Like I think it's the best way to be like this un entrepreneur kind of artist. But it's like a personality type. Some people just they 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 are not really. Um, it just doesn't work with their personality, and I think that's yeah. fine too. If they if they are okay with having an, another job and just making art for fun and they. Are I, I, don't, I don't wish, like, what we do um, on, on other people because it's very stressful. For, for me, it's great, but it's not great for, for everyone. No, no, but I think having that, I think being open to the possibility and kind of looking at what you do and going, yeah, there are other things. It's not just a case of I paint and then if, I want, if I'm not making enough from sales, then yeah. I have to teach or I have to get another job. It's like there are yeah. so many other things. Yeah, uh, that's true. Possibilities, and people like yeah. yourself are a great example of doing that and get the most out of it. Well, you know? <laughs> well, I do teach, right? I have like most of my income comes from my teaching, but I um, I combine it with the art I want to do. So I don't teach, and then I hate the art. So I do artworks that I absolutely want to do, and then I have them as tutorials, and then they, then I get paid for these tutorials. So this, which is a kind of teaching. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a teacher, so. <laughs> yeah, no, no, when I'm saying teaching, I'm talking about yeah. running workshops, you know, that kind of standard kind of thing yeah. that a lot of artists do. They put on workshops, people show up, and yeah. or they go and work in a college or something like that. Yeah, you know? I see. Well, I have recently did, I recently did my first online workshops um, on my website, and that was really, very nice, actually. So yeah. people who... Yeah, it's it's a different um, experience, and I really like it. So in the first, I, I would um, I wasn't interested in teaching people directly because I thought it is boring or I wouldn't enjoy it. But um, after I did my first workshop, I was like, this is so wonderful, actually, and um, I can understand when people keep doing it. Um, Okay, they get money for it, but I can't understand. It's a lot of fun. As, mm. as a teacher and as a student, it's it's really a very rewarding experience. So I I didn't know that, but that's that's really nice. Yeah. Um. Okay. So how do you fit it all in? Uh, <laughs> do you, like how, like let's start off at the outside. How many hours a, a day do you work, and how many days a week do you work? Well, I work every day, and um, I Including the weekends. From... Yeah, of course. Like okay. I don't have weekends. No. 
No uh, weekends. So seven no. days. Yes, and then I would say I start at uh, half past eight, and then I stop at. Well, this is difficult to say because um, sometimes I uh, work late, like like 6 p.m. Right, um, but sometimes. We, since we are both uh, self-employed, we can decide, okay, today we just want to take the day out and we want to do something together and we have like the, our dog, for example, so we go on things that we do uh, for her a couple of days a week. So normally I would say I work till 6 and sometimes I work in the evenings too where I edit videos after the, um, um, the dinner, like two hours or something. Um, I would work like another hour or so on videos or, or like um, research the script. Oh, and I also work out every day, so you have to subtract that from the <laughs> from the work too. So I have no idea actually, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I don't and know then, <laughs> how do you structure it? Like, do you you put a do you make a YouTube video every week? Is that right? No, no, not really. Um, I do YouTube videos. What I I always do once. I try to do one or two a month, and um, yeah, exactly. And then I just I just plan everything ahead. I have multiple planning tools. I have like a planning app on my PC, and I recently I don't know if you know it. Um, there's like the 16 personality tests where you can check your personality and it's scientifically proved and this is like my no, my now it's my go-to bible to answer every problem because it's so great like i did this test and they made they exactly said me what said to me what personality type i have and it was exactly me so i <laughs> i have like i plan everything i structure everything and this is how i get the workload done and I enjoy it. So I enjoy all the structuring and um, yeah, this is this is like um, why I say it's not for every personality too because yeah, I'm kind what, of this what was the personality test? What's the name of the personality test? If anyone wants to take 16, it, sixteen personalities, and I love this so much. That's it the name just of it. Explained everything to me. What? That's the name of it. Sixteen personalities. Yeah. You can just give it. Uh, I can. I can show it to you in the um, screen share. I'm going to do this now. Let's sixteen personalities. This is like the size. Sixteen personalities, and then you have like the different personalities, and you can do the test. And um, now it's in, on on German, but you can do yeah, it yeah. In, in English too. It's like in, in every language. And I'm this here. This so. Like, it's so funny. This is me. Like, I have this ruler here and, like, the glasses. And this is, I'm on, supposedly, I'm an autocratic person. And it's kind of, yes, it's kind of true. I'm judging all the time. I have, like, <laughs> opinions. And, like, if I know, like, a person and it, it, that person doesn't do what I think is right, I don't like that person. So, it, it's very, like, it fits very well. It's, uh very funny. <laughs> and and um, on the top of the list was like um, that everything has to be organized and I'm like a freak in that. Like I have to um, organize everything. Everything has to be neat. So, yeah. 
All right. It was very funny. So you plan everything out, and in, in including this, how many paintings I'm going to get done in the month. Is it right. monthly? Exactly. And then the month is broken really? down into the weeks, and then the weeks and the days, and you just plan everything. Uh, I have different lists. For example, I have a yearly list for my patrons with the paintings. Then I have a monthly list, which renews every month with the different tasks I have to do every month. There's like an app called To Do It, and there I have like a project, and then the project has the different tasks that I have to do for Patreon and for YouTube and commissions. And um, then, of course, I have like a planner when some new things comes up. And I have the overview. It might it might look like disorganized for other people, but for me it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. This is why this is why I say it's not for everyone. You have to be very organized. I think, in my opinion, I'm not sure how you would go through these deadlines and and stuff you have to do if you are not an organized person. Like I couldn't. Yeah. I don't know how you would do it. Okay, so say someone's listening and they're going, yeah, that sounds good. I, I think I could get a bit more, I could get a bit more mileage out of what I'm doing. I'm painting yeah. away here, I'm creating, but I haven't a clue where to start. I don't know what the right yeah. things, you know, there's so many things I could do. Well, I'm not sure right. where to start. What, what advice would you give that person? Yeah, so it totally depends on what aspect this person is currently doing or is going to do. For each art style, there are different things you can do. For example, if you do realistic art, you would probably not be able to sell lots of prints, but you can do teaching. If you do abstract art, you can do great prints. If you do children's kinds of art, like animals or really colorful art, you can sell lots of stickers and postcards. If you have a great personality, you can do a great YouTube channel. This is wonderful. Um, then, if you do black and white art, for example, like realistic black and white art, you can sell prints with that, and you can do tutorials with that. Um, if you do manga art, you can sell books with that, books with that, or you can, if you have an illustrative style like I, I could also sell books if I wanted to. So it really depends on the style you're doing and um, what you're going to do in future. In the future, and um, the easiest thing is to look what other people do that have your style. So if you have one of these styles that I say, just have a look. For example, black and white portraits. Like what are, what are these people going to do? Are they on Patreon? Are they offering tutorials? Are they selling prints? Um, and then um, you can do something like, like they do. But if you do exactly the same, you will probably not be able to be as successful as that person because you're doing the same. They do it for longer, so you have to kind of find your kind of find your own niche. But it can help as a direction for you. Very that good. Very fast. That's yeah. very like based on my experience because I, of course, I do it like ten years and I have um, seen lots of artists and what they do and what and I've tried out lots of things and. Um, some things doesn't work for me, but they do for other artists. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is your revenue kind of spread? Um, you were saying that some of your paintings, the paintings for, say, in the auctions, it's a couple of hundred dollars. Is that right? Right. Um, yeah. Say the big commission painting that you were talking about. What sort of what sort of price is that going to sell for? Um. Yeah. So that is included in my Patreon. Um, Tiers. So the person uh, pledges for 
couple of hundred dollars per month, and then I take a couple of months to paint this okay. large painting. And um, my, I also have commissions um, besides of Patreon, and they can range from a couple of hundred dollars to, I don't know, $2,000 or something. So, um, yeah, but most of my income is from the patrons that pledge for tutorials, and a smaller amount of income is like from, from originals. Yeah, and from prints, currently it's not so much. It was more, but currently I don't sell a lot of prints. I, I'm going to do a couple of new prints soon. Maybe okay. it, it, so, it will change the balance again. <laughs> yeah, so again, from the perspective of someone listening and kind of wondering, is it worth the effort? Uh, so you'd hardly mentioned YouTube there. So the revenue from YouTube is oh, my, yeah. small, or is it yeah. significant? Oh, well, yeah, I forgot it. So my YouTube revenue, my ad revenue is relatively small. It is a couple of hundred dollars a month. Sometimes I get sponsorships um, that are like, a sponsorship can be $500 or $200, can also be 1000 or more. It really depends. Right. Um, so that is that change. So I would say from YouTube, a couple of hundred dollars. I think it's like 200 or something. It's not really much. And then um, some sometimes sponsorships on top. And sometimes when a video goes well, then the ad revenue is also high. But YouTube is not so much. Yeah. And then print sales, merchandise sales. Is that a big percentage? Yeah, I, I don't have, yeah, I don't have merchandise. Like, it's all included in Patreon, too. Okay. I mean, you could say, like, I think also a couple of hundred with the magnets, like people that fetch for the magnets. And, um, uh, yeah, Prince currently not, because I don't, I haven't um, published any prints. Um, but I might do, like, I, I want to do prints again, yeah. Yeah. But I, like I don't know the percentage. Right, yeah. It sounds like I most um, of your income is funneled through uh, Patreon in one way or another. Right, that's that's correct, right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Do you have, yeah, a, big art, do you have yeah. a big art dream you'd like to achieve before you die? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not really art. It's more like a live stream that I have. So I want to have a really nice house with a lovely garden, ideally somewhere where it's warm and nice. And then I want just to paint. I, I just really like what I do at the moment, and I would love to continue that and maybe be a little bit more. Actually, like when I want, when I do a project, I want that it works. Like for example, the art history video. I I would wish for myself that if I have a project that I'm really passionate in, that it would work out, whatever that pro project is. But since we live in reality, this is probably not going to happen. But this, this would be a dream that I have reliable projects that would work for me that I find fascinating, be it a video or a painting. And yes, I would like to have a nice house too. <laughs> Somewhere warm, so not in Germany? I mean, is there anywhere warm in Germany? No, but I, I would like to have like a maybe a little apartment somewhere like maybe Italy or in Spain like the completely typical like cheesiest dream like this is what I have like something like a nice apartment a little house in Italy where we can go for the vacations and and, and a house here in Germany where where our families are and our friends but I think everyone on the person on the planet wishes that for themselves so it's completely like normal <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> no, of course not. No, no. You are you are not like the other boys, right? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I um I live in a part of the world where people have a lot of holiday homes, and they're just empty a lot of the time, and it seems like such Aww. a waste, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, it's and, also like it's like why why not? Sad, right? Yeah, but it's like, why do you need to own it? Like, why can't you just come down and rent a house? Oh, that's right. That's right. And and are you, like, in a part of Ireland where there's really beautiful, like, the green uh, forest and, and, and mountains where the people have their holiday homes? Probably yes. something like that, right? Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that so is, I think I think so nice sort of being up close and living beside a lot of holiday homes, it's like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd like to ever have no. a holiday home anywhere, you know. That makes sense to me. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge you're facing at the moment as an artist? Um, to find time for myself. I mean, it was clear throughout the podcast that I'm really juggling with all the tasks and the deadlines, and it's very stressful sometimes. And I would like to have just more time and uh, for free time to make uh, walks with our dog and maybe have a little bit more vacation and maybe time for playing a video game, for example. That would be really nice. I think that's... And, and of course, fighting against social media all the time and fighting against YouTube. Yeah, these are the two struggles. <laughs> and is that uh, because you you know, are concerned about your income or is that more to do with your personality type that you just take on too much? Both. Uh, so first of all, um, you know, um, my personality type definitely takes on too much. My father has the same personality like me and we also take both too much um, on, on, on task. But also, um, also the other thing is that I, I would have to earn a little bit more money than now in order to like afford for example like the um the the like dreams that we have like the house for example the housing market in germany is really really expensive i think everywhere in the world right now and you have to be like you have to have so much money for it and um you have to kind of work hard for that so that is the other other time other thing i i would just otherwise i would just not work so much and don't earn like more money mm. if I had already a house for example. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Okay, so this is my last question. I ask this to everyone who comes on the podcast. If there's one yeah. thing you could pass on to future generations, what would it be? Oh yes, I remember that question. I I, I saw like I listened to like one of your first podcasts. Um what would it be? What was it the the question? If there's one thing you could pass on to no, if there's one thing yeah. you could pass on to future generations, what would it be? Okay, so um, the things in life that make you happy are not the things that you uh, thought that you think when you are young. Like for example, when you're young, you want to travel much, you have like lots of friends or whatever. Whatever, but the things that make you happy are like long relationships with your friends and with your family and maybe with, and also with your significant other and stability like that. And um, you have to care for these things. And they are more important than the other things that you thought in the beginning would matter. Like, for example, career never matters more than your family or your, your significant other. It's, it's always the people that you love the most 
that are the most important things to you. So worship them. <laughs> so that would also be that something that I would say to myself when I was younger. Very good. That's <laughs> brilliant. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. where can people find you on the internet? Um, I have the same name on all my social media uh, platforms. It's Leoba Rückner. Maybe you'll write it down on your uh, on your podcast somewhere because I, yeah. I I'm not in no. Uh, way will I be able to to like yeah. see it in a I'll, I'll put uh, links in the show notes but I'll spell it yeah. for you it's L-I-O-B-A uh, B-R-U-C-K-N-E-R and that's dot yeah, info for the, for, the, <laughs> for, the, for the for the website it's dot info not dot com and it's yeah from a website yeah it's, it's just um, leoba.info without my last name oh it's Leo, but hang on, what is it? Leoba.info. It's just without my last name. Oh, oh okay, I didn't realize that. Very good. No but on the, um, but Instagram, it's what I spelled out. <laughs> yeah, right. Instagram and, and Facebook and, and YouTube. And yeah, I was looking for that word spelling all the time and I just couldn't find it, so thank you. <laughs> oh, okay, Whenever I speak in English, like in the beginning, I'm good, but over the course of hours, my uh, ability to speak deteriorates. And then yeah. after, I, after like time, I, I talk German and I mix everything up. So, yeah, no, I, I wanted to, yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, you got, you got to deteriorate there. That's pretty good. That's a good word. <laughs> so you're not going to do that. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I, I can yeah. remember somewhere. Yeah, it it was really wonderful. And oh, I wanted to say like I always say stupid things, so I might have changed my mind. So don't come back like two years, like people that listen to me like three years. But you said that in the podcast. Yeah, I I change my mind all the time. So take all with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay. Just a warning. <laughs> well, it's been lovely chatting with you. I I really like your art. I'm really find uh, what you do quite inspiring in a few different ways. I like watching you, uh, watching your videos of using the watercolor and the pencils. Um, yeah, I find them kind of mesmerizing because I have, I've done a little bit of watercolor, but I haven't done too much. Yeah. And it's, you know, we start off with these huge kind of washy broad strokes. And then yeah. it's almost like I blink and then it suddenly it starts to come very... <laughs> Uh, beautiful, oh. very fast, and then you've kind of gone in with the pencils, and yeah, it's kind of like, oh yeah, you can do that, and your your watercolors don't, they look different to other watercolors that I've seen, they're very vibrant, they do have that kind of, um, it's almost like if oil paintings were watercolors, <laughs> that's what they'd look like. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, thank so, you so much. Yeah, and there's a sort of gentleness to your paintings that I really like. Um, that uh, I think is probably a reflection of your your personality, but it just comes across. Um, this kind of there is an innocence to them, and there is a, they're, they're beautiful. They're very like not so much the the women they they're beautiful for sure, but the paintings themselves are beautiful. The way they put together the composition, the, what you leave in, what you take out, and um, so that's all lovely. And then. 
as I said, you're, the way you really uh, maximize everything that you do, I think that's inspiring. And the fact that you're always open to, and you've got that mindset of, well, what else could I do? Like, I never even thought about magnets or pins or stuff like that. And the way you're sort of all over Patreon, I think you've probably, I've talked to a few people around Patreon, all of whom are doing very well. Um, but I think you're probably the most comprehensive. Like, you've got um, so much going on in Patreon. It's like you're, you are using it to the <laughs> maximum. Uh, and I think that's really inspiring as well, that you, um, you know, it's like you're, in as much as, you know, I'd look at you doing your watercolors and going, oh, yeah, that's interesting, I could give that a go. You know, all the different things that you're doing and how you're managing it all, uh, that's kind of inspiring as well. So mm-hmm. that's lovely. And then it's lovely to just kind of get to know you a bit and hear <laughs> what's the, what you are like as a person, you know. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your sweet words. That is That, may, that really means a lot uh, to me. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. I think few people put it so into words like you did it. And you're very eloquent. So that's... That was very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> um, okay, well, I keep in touch with everybody for Zoom tea, so I'm sure we'll keep in touch. But That's yeah, we'll say, we'll say goodbye for now. Yeah, goodbye. It was so lovely to speak with you, and I wish you a wonderful and creative tea. Oh, thank you. All right, bye. Bye. I've never felt this good in my entire life. Make me some spaghetti. Actually, I'd prefer a cup of tea. A cup of tea would be lovely. So, yeah, just a little reminder, mainly because every second or third person who becomes a patron has got in touch with me and said, you know what, I've been listening to your podcast for ages, and I didn't become a patron, not because I don't have the money, not because I don't think it's great, I just didn't get around to it. So this is a little friendly reminder that if you'd like to be a patron, you'd like to buy me a cup of tea, go to patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, gently does it, all one word, or follow the link in the show notes to become a patron. I would really appreciate it if you could do that, particularly if you've been meaning to and you just haven't got around to it. It would be great. It would mean a lot to me. All right. Thank you. Bye. I can hear you. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. <laughs> so we had to change things up a little bit here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Such a blur. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've got a completely different perspective. So you're on a completely different machine now, are you? I am. I'm on my um, iPad now. So what I think is going on is uh, I I have a Mac computer, but my earpieces are not Mac, so they just didn't like each other. They didn't want to talk to each other, so yeah. <laughs> okay, well, nothing.
something like, you know, technical stress to kick things off. Right, because right. I was not nervous, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I needed that in my life. Yeah, happens to me all the time, I can tell you. Okay. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm fantastic. Oh, great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that's vodka in that cup, but anyway. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, if you're listening, I'm uh, talking to Ayanna Ross in McDonough, Georgia, in America, not Russia. Um, there is a Georgia in, well, is it Russia anymore? I'm not sure. McDonough is a very Irish name. Got a question or a statement? Well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a statement, <laughs> but I kind of went up at the end of it, which makes it a statement question. <laughs> well, well, I don't live there, so I, you know, that would be a space for you to jump in with some local knowledge history. Oh, yes, it was yeah. started by Francis McDonough, who came from Ireland in 1875 and was a tyrant. I wish I had that depth of knowledge about random stuff, Um, but I don't. You you can make it up. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I have no clue. I've only lived here actually for about um, four years. Oh, okay. So that's going to be my excuse for not knowing. Okay, fine. Where were you before that? Were you was, still in Georgia, or? Yes, I was in Georgia. I was in uh, Warner Rogers, Georgia, which is a military town. I know a little bit more about that because um, from high school up, that's where I, I lived with my parents. What was the name again? I missed it. Warner Robbins. Warner Robbins. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds like someone's name as well. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, no, nowhere, nowhere in Ireland sounds like someone's name. Okay. <laughs> it's all Kilty Ma and Ballinahab and you know. Okay. So it's quite intriguing for me when I hear a name and it's like, oh, that sounds like somebody's name. You know, unfortunately, I have to say, I don't know that I have been invested enough to know a lot about any particular place that I've lived in. Right. What's that okay. mean? That sounds really bad, but it's kind of true. <laughs> How do you mean you haven't been invested enough? You kind of knew you weren't going to stay? I think so, yeah. And is it the same for McDonough? You're not going to stay there? I don't see myself being here forever. So. Oh, okay. Where do you see yourself being forever? I don't know yet. We've talked about this. Um, my kids say that I have this, like, this bit of being unsettled. Um, where I just don't, after a certain amount of time, I'm, I'm kind of ready to, to move on. I, and I attribute it to childhood. I feel like we moved, um, not a lot, but regularly enough that I got comfortable with being in transition. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I would like to ultimately be. So I'm open to living abroad for a while. Um, living out west, 
feel like I've lived up and down the East Coast quite a bit. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, now, just to give you a time context for our conversation, today is Wednesday, the 23rd of June, 2021, and that is exactly 27 days since Ayanna and I last spoke, which was just before it was announced that you were the winner of the Bear Prize, Ayanna. <laughs> so, how has it been since then? Um, It's been great. I mean, it's been incredible. Uh, that week was a whirlwind of emotions and getting to know people and um, it was just wonderful and then I came back home and kind of hit the ground running in terms of processing um, my next step and um, so yeah it's, it's been wonderful meeting new people even virtually uh, that's been great um, making connections with collectors it's been incredible so it's been it's been fantastic Okay, that sounds good, making connections with collectors. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so, what happened after the award? Did you all go out somewhere? or um, It was so different looking at the, the live feed because in my mind I was remembering what it was like when I was there two years ago and it was... Uh, you know, packed. <laughs> mm -hmm. You couldn't move in the place and you couldn't move and it was, the announcement was done downstairs in the auditorium and right. and I, cause, because on the live stream all you could see was the podium initially, I kind of just in my mind had, oh, there's loads of people. <laughs> you know, Kurt is talking to loads of people, Elaine is talking to loads and then it sort of yeah. turned around and it was pretty much just, just the finalists. <laughs> and one guest. You could bring one guest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that sounds very intimate, like you really got a lot of time to actually get to know each other and spend time together. Yes, it was. Um, you know, of course, I was not there uh, two years ago, so I, but I can only imagine. And I also did watch the video. Um, there were lots of people there. This was a lot more intimate, especially because everything happened in the gallery. So... Um, we're right there with the artists in their work the entire time. Um, immediately following the announcement, um, we spent a little bit of time in the gallery taking pictures, you know, um, talking to one another. And then we went to another location for the reception. Right. So. Yeah. And then afterwards, we went to the hotel bar. And I got yeah, okay. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yes. I do. I cut it out when I was doing the editing, but yeah, I know. I, I, I heard. You. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, check it out. But yeah, so um, so yeah, at the second location, I brought it up. I said, hey guys, you want to go to the bar? <laughs> so it happened. Good. And then you had a breakfast or something the next day? Yes, and we had a, a breakfast um, in the gallery as well. So we had an opportunity to spend more time together. Um, and we did something really cool. We kind of went around with each of the artists and um, everyone talked a little bit about their work. Um, so that was really oh, nice. nice. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, just that quality time together. 
And afterwards, I did get a chance to hang out a little bit more um, with Susu um, because she was staying, I think, a little longer. I'd like myself to stay a little longer than some of the other artists because a lot of people left shortly after the question. Okay, so you stayed in Muskegon for a little bit, a couple of days, or? Yes. Yeah, I lost the following. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. That would really let it settle in a bit more. Yeah, you know, regardless of the outcome, I wanted to soak it all up. You know, I want. Yeah. Wanted, I wanted to really be there and have fullness of the experience. I have to give myself time to, to meet everyone and talk to everyone. And also, seeing as how this is like the first outing since COVID. <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, like once we get out here, just to stay there. <laughs> and um, so yeah, made the best of it. Yeah, well, when I was editing the um, that episode, the episode of the Bad Prize, every time I got to your bit where you're, you know, it was announced and you went up to accept the award and you started talking, I got, I teared up. Well, you know, it wasn't like I was sobbing or anything, but I just found it very moving. <laughs> Every time, not just like the first time, but it's like every time, because I had to listen to it a few times. Yeah. And yeah, every time. Yeah, Aww. very moving, very lovely. Well, thank you. I, I got a lot of great feedback about it, about the, um, that whole speech and, and that whole moment. And um, I can't listen to myself talk personally. People are like, oh my gosh, it really touched me. I cried, yada, yada, yada. And so we were visiting my, um, husband's mother, my mother-in-law, lives in Chicago. So afterwards, we went to visit her, and he was playing the recording for her, and I was like, okay, let me go. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but I am glad that everything came out okay. You know, like, sometimes when you're just overwhelmed with emotion, the words just get lost, and you're just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's just, it could get, it could go bad. Sadly, really quickly. <laughs> so I'm glad it didn't. By the way, there was no ugly crying. You were, you were, you were good. Okay. <laughs> I know it's a lot of this, you know, covering my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, for someone listening who hasn't seen your work, how would you describe your paintings? Um, so my paintings, particularly my larger paintings, are figurative work um, that incorporate a lot of pattern and print in, in the background to kind of give context for what's happening and, and when things are happening for the individual that's being rendered. Um, I come from a place of kind of looking back and putting things in context for the present. So a lot of my figures are um, from previous experiences or the previous time period, <clears throat> and some modern day images. But yeah, I think that I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Okay. Now, just to put your sensibilities in context, uh, who are your creative heroes? My creative heroes. Um. Okay, you just you just kind of threw me for one with that one. Um, but artistically, art artist-wise, I would say um, 
You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to talk about something first. Growing up, I did not know about a lot of artists, per se. So the heroes that I had a glimpse of earlier in life are not the same ones that, you know, I would look to now as an artist. So I was more into, as a, a child and young adult, I was into um, fashion design. I was into, uh, well, I was, had limited exposure to the visual arts. I remember my dad brought home a print, a William Johnson print, and I was struck by that. So I would say um, that would be one of my creative heroes. Um, now, I would say Hyundai Wiley is certainly a creative hero. Bill Bartlett is a creative hero. Um, Amy Sherrill is a creative hero. So, you know, I could kind of go down the list in that way. Um, but it, Isabel Wilkerson is a creative hero. She's a writer. So it, for me, it just spans across so many um, genres just because I admire people that I saw doing creative things and living like a full creative life. Um, so does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see you got a little congratulations from Bob Arthur on, on the uh, Instagram? Oh, my stars above. Yes, I saw it. Uh, at first, <laughs> when, I, when I saw it at first, I think it was like, I was still in uh, Michigan, and so we were still in kind of the throes of everything. And um, so I kind of went through, and I was saying thank you to everyone. And then I went back after I got home, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, and messaged him. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm such a huge fan of your work. Um, so that was that was incredible. That was incredible. <laughs> Lovely. Um, okay, so we've had lots of questions come in um, on social media. Um, this is new questions, but uh, Pat Frost in the Netherlands says, uh, you make great work, exclamation mark. Saw the video when you got the Bennett Prize. I don't have questions, but for sure will listen. You touch my heart. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It is. Uh, Penny Moss. Moz, sorry Penny, uh, if I got your surname wrong there, on Patreon, thanks for the team, Penny, and also, Penny did a very nice portrait of me when I was meditating, so if you look at Penny's um, feed, you get to see that, and um, so Penny says, beautiful work, Ayana, when did you start painting? Okay, um, that's a good question, I actually did not start painting until, I think I was around... 30, because I've been drawing all of my life, and I was using color pencils when I was younger, doing a lot of the fashion illustrations that I did. I attempted to paint once in high school art, and I remember showing my art teacher um, my picture because she would sit down with us. It was a really great practice she had. She would sit down with us and talk about the work that we made. And I had this vision of all these children in the painting, and I tried to paint them and, you know, have, like, some deep, profound meaning. And I was telling her about it, and I said, yeah, I, I could see it in my head so clearly, but 
I just could not get it on the canvas the way that I saw it in my head. And she said, I can see that. <laughs> so um, after that, I didn't really paint anymore. <laughs> um, until um, many years later, following, you know, everything with 9-11 and all of that, I um, was studying to be an art teacher, and so one of the classes that I was fortunate enough to take was a painting class, and that's when I picked it up and fell in love and have been painting ever since. And I might have been a little bit before 30, maybe 28, 29, something like that. Right. What's the 9-11 link? I missed, I didn't get it. Oh, um, so as I told you, I studied fashion design. I was working in New York as a designer. Uh, and there, um, for 9-11, I actually saw it on my way to work. Um, wow. And after that experience, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty traumatic. After that experience, though, because I was so young, um, I left New York and um, just got displaced. I, and, you know, I, I didn't have um, that direction anymore. You know, I'd spent all those years trying to be a fashion designer because that was my dream ever since I could remember. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, um, it just did not seem as important anymore in that moment. Um, because I was, I was after immediately following and when I say I was there, I mean, I don't remember how many blocks we were from um, the trade center, but I remember that we were close enough to see everything. Uh, like I said, I saw the first plane hit walking into work. Afterwards, my coworkers and I went outside to see what was happening, and we kind of got caught up in the crowd running away um, from the scene. And... Um, once I got home, I lived in Jersey City at the time. We were out of work for a while. I don't remember how long. But when we did go back, it was just so much chaos in the way of, um, you know, still kind of trying to find people and clean the area and clear the area. Um, and I just, I just couldn't think straight. And I, I remember sitting at the computer. I was working on prints for because I did sleepwear and intimate apparel. And I was working on prints, and all of a sudden I was like, I, I just can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I, it just didn't matter at that moment anymore. So um, I called my cousin, and he came, because I was not about to fly home. And we packed yeah, up right. my apartment and drove to Georgia. And um, so when I say things, like that was a big marker in my life. So yeah. it's like life before 9-11, life after 9-11. Um, so in the second phase of my life um, was when I picked up painting. Yeah, yeah. Do you get the feeling that there'll be a whole, there's a whole generation now who'll talk about COVID in the same way, you know, before COVID and after COVID? Yes. You know, things like that, they just have such a big impact on your life. Mm. Um, and and probably this generation and the experiences that they're having, they may not fully be able to process it right now. Um, yeah. Because I didn't realize that I had 
post-traumatic stress or anything after until um, I think it was like a year or two after um, I was working in a school and they played a sound bite for the 9-11 anniversary and I just kind of freaked out yeah. not realizing that you know because you feel so grateful and your heart breaks for the people that have lost someone and then at yeah. the same time you feel so grateful for the life that you're still able to have but you don't take the time to think about even though I did not suffer there might still be some sort of suffering there's some some level of um healing that needs to take place so I would imagine um for just this generation is is the same you know I was in the classroom this past year and I know it was hard for kids whether or not they had a family member um, who experienced anything with COVID, whether or not, you know, it directly impacted their lives. Life was different for them. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I've done lots of work with people with trauma, and, you know, there's there's almost two, type, two parts to it. There's, like, if you're the – if you're involved in a car accident – then mm-hmm. you've got physical trauma and you've got all that sort of stuff. But if you witness a car accident, a bad one, yeah. that's traumatic in its own way. Yeah. You know? So it's it has its own effect. Yeah. Um, so, Kathy Lindert on Patreon. Thanks for the tea, Kathy. Kathy's actually living the van life with her husband. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, if you want to look at her on the... Uh, on Instagram, and she's painting on the road. That's in a van, so nice. Inverted van that they live in. Yeah. So, <laughs> chapeau to uh, Kathy. Uh, so, Kathy says, terrific exclamation mark. Love the podcast and Ayanna's art. Could you kindly ask her about the interaction of the conceptual and technical narrative in her work? What comes first? How does an idea emerge for her? What is her process for building up the paintings? Please congratulate her for the Bennett Prize. Well-deserved, exclamation mark. Looking forward to the podcast. Thanks much. Another exclamation mark. Thank you so much for that. Um, Another great question. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Um, I think it depends. There are some images, some paintings I'm thinking about where it may have started with an old photograph that I just kept looking at, you know, continue to go back to. And so as I'm investigating what is so striking and what's pulling me into it, um, sometimes I may start the painting process, or not even the painting, the drawing process, I start sketching it out. And in drawing, I'll maybe take note of certain things. Um, and that will lead me to making connections. I often paint the way I think. So that whole concept of putting in these different prints and patterns, that's how my brain works. (laughs) So if I remember a story, I remember bits and pieces of it. It may not be a solid, cohesive story, but I can tell you that around this time, this thing happened, but also during that time, this other thing happened. So um, going back to the image, example, I may start pulling in prints and patterns that remind me of other things that I make that visual connection to. And I do a lot of um, playing with um, digital work. 
um, before I start working on each canvas. Um, so I'll, I may have a chance to kind of arrange patterns and um, arrange the layout digitally before I transfer it onto the, the canvas. So most of my working through the art and problem solving happens digitally. Um, but then there are other times where there's this concept that I want to address. And I may have a photo reference um, that I've just been saving. So, for example, the little girl at the desk, um, that larger piece, that was a photograph I'd taken some years back of a former student. And I'd asked her mom if she'd mind if I took a picture of her daughter. And she said, sure. So I, I had that, that photo that I'd been meaning to use for something. And um, it just fit so well into a concept that I'd already developed. And then again, you know, there's that whole process of pulling out other visual cues that I want to incorporate through those prints and patterns and um, make that happen. Okay. Brilliant. Did I answer that? 